the name that is more powerful than the letters on the page. The name that is more powerful than the stars in the sky. The name that is more powerful than all of the wisdom of this world. The great name of Jesus. The Son of God and man. In our midst today, be glorified. Hear the praise of our lips and the prayers of our heart that go out to you, God Almighty. There is none like you, none beside you, none above you. You alone are God. You alone are God. And we worship you with our joy and with our tears. We worship you. In this moment, I'm going to pray also, Lord, that you would just be with Pastor Stanley as he brings the words today. That the word would be alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. That we would know the depth of your love. That we would understand and comprehend. And that we would be changed by your word today from the lips of your faithful servant, Pastor Stanley. Amen. We um, just want to take this time to have a moment of silence uh, in commemorative of Pastor Mike for his service many years here and at ICF. Um, and anyone that knows him, he was selfless servant, he loved everyone, and he always made you feel like you're a special friend of his. And, and uh, he never looked down on or talked about anyone, but he, he served humbly and faithfully. So at this time, we're just going to have a moment of silence, and you can pray during that time or however you feel that. Let's bow our heads. So keep the family in prayer, and uh, as Pastor Cherry said, if you want to support Anything is, is welcome. All right. Um, my name is Pastor Stanley Roberts, and um, I'm a member of both Bethel Christian Fellowship and International Christian Fellowship. Um, our message today, and we've been on this series for the uh, beginning of the year, is Seeking Treasure. And we talked about seeking treasure in God. A year to seek treasure. And seeking treasure, and we talked about, we heard people talk about treasure up, treasure down, treasure in. And we had a, a message on prayer is one way of seeking treasure. And today we're going to talk a little bit about finding treasure. And you can't find something if you're not looking for it. Anybody know what I mean? Anybody ever play hide and seek? And you have to be the one to find the object that someone hides. God has provided a means for us to find value in him. 
and not only in him, but is expressed in relationship. Our scripture for today, one of our scriptures is in Mark chapter 12. And, and before we go to that, um, I just want to tie in a little bit of history. You know, this month has been Black History Month. And so, and we've had displays here. And what that is to, what that is to do is, is make us aware of some of the contributions of black people to the culture and society in America. And um, I, how many of you ever heard of George Washington Carver? Okay. And contrary to popular be belief, he did not invent the peanut, <laughs> nor did he invent peanut butter. But he developed and patented over 300 uses of, of peanuts that's common and what we don't even think about or know about. Um, his beginning was humble. He was born in slavery, and he got kidnapped. Him and his family got kidnapped while he was very young. The original slave owner's last name was Carver. He rescued him, but all he could find was George and his brother. And they, they raised him, and he learned the word and everything. And I always thought that he was named after George Washington, the president. I always thought that. Well, I learned something. He, he moved to Fort Scott, Kansas, to study so he can go to school. He was denied admittance in different schools, and this is during, you know, late 19th century and everything because he was black. But he went to Fort Scott to learn, but he left Fort Scott when he saw a black person was brutally married, murdered, excuse me, and he moved to Minneapolis. They had problems because the cotton plant eroded the soil and everything after you raised something year after year, eventually it erodes and they had boll weevils. And so he had a plan that if they rotated between peanuts and sweet potatoes and cotton, like every three years, that would restore the fertility of the soil. And it, and it was successful. And so the town decided, as a tribute to that, they made a statue of the boll weevil. So it's like, that's weird. But that has happened throughout the history in this country. The person not recognized that created the salvation, so to speak, but, the, but they made object of the, of the uh, enemy, <laughs> so to speak, the bull weevil. That's just a little background. But what kept him going was his faith in Christ. He believed in Christ. And can you put the next slide up, please? Can everybody see that? George Washington Carver viewed faith in Jesus Christ as a means of destroying both 
barriers of racial disharmony and social stratification. And there's a definition of social stratification. It's a caste system that was prevalent in a, in, throughout this nation and in some form still is. And we know about the caste system in India based on socioeconomic status and such. But he believed that faith in Christ eradicates that. So let's turn to our scripture today. Mark chapter 12. You can read it from the screen. Verses 28 to 31. And this is shortly after Jesus had discourse with people that were challenging him. And they're trying to trick him in different ways, but he handled all that. And it says, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Which one has preeminence? Which one is priority? What do you think about that, Jesus? And Jesus replied, the most important commandments is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of the religious law replied, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him a question. Any more questions? So we're going to talk about finding treasure in relationship. We've got understanding that over the last several weeks, we talked about the treasure in, in relationship with God, seeking the treasure. This is a year of seeking, seeking things that are valuable. If you treasure something, that means it's a value to you. If you have something of particular value, you want to keep it in a safe place. A lockbox at the bank, in the envelope, under your, in the mattress under your pillow, or somewhere where you know it's at, or in your piggy bank, something of value, or in the safe. But if we treasure relationships, if we value relationships, how do we keep that? In order to find relationship, if you want relationship, you got to look for it. Again, you can't find what you're not looking for. 
He laid out the pattern. First, you love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, all your strength. Then, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you don't love yourself, that's kind of hard to manifest love to someone else. If you have low self-esteem, don't value yourself in any way. That's how you're going to treat relationship. Oh, they're looking at me funny. They must, they must be out to get me. But part of Jesus' walk on this earth, he manifested relationships. Going to places people wouldn't go, reaching out to folks that were marginalized, and inviting them into the conversation. Has anyone ever done that lately? Reach out to someone you don't know? It takes some effort. But it's start out simple conversation. You saw the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman. Jews and Samaritans don't have dealings with each other. Even though they're of the tribe of Israel, we know that the Samaritans dwelt in the northern kingdom and they intermarried with other cultures. Whereas the Jewish culture, they were considered more pure. And they said they don't have no dealings, so they had different ideas. And then she was a woman. That wasn't very popular back then. But Jesus said, give me some water to start the conversation. We can just be sitting around at the mall or somewhere, and we see someone, and you might be prompted by the Holy Spirit to strike up a conversation. Sometimes it's okay to talk about the weather. Um, in Minnesota, don't talk about sports because it's not a lot to brag about, especially <laughs> professional sports, okay? Stay off that. It's like, oh, you might get a very disgruntled person like, oh, man, why do you have to bring that up, you know? But start a conversation. He started with water. He knew she came to get water, so he tied into what she was doing. And so the conversation built from there, and he's able to get his message across. It's not that hard. Now, we know the result of that. He spent time in the city. He went back with her, spent several days, and the whole town was turned over to Jesus. How much would happen if we made some effort? And we talked last year, they talked about evangelism class, reaching out to people, how do you reach them? It's not like coming from an era of, I know more than you, I'm better than you, and talking down to a person. That's not going to get you anywhere. That's not going to get you brownie points in heaven, and it's not going to get you a very good place here either. So it's like coming to a person where they are finding a commonality. So despite opposition, we keep our eyes on Jesus and focus. And as George Washington Carver said, Jesus Christ is the bridge, so to speak, I'm paraphrasing, that, that disarms racial disharmony and the caste system that's been so embedded in this culture. So we say, if we bring the conversation around Christ, 
Start that. And bring that to the table. That's, that's a commonality among believers. An unbeliever, that's a different story and different conversation. But we as a church represent, and got to represent what the kingdom of heaven is, is like. We know in Revelation he talks about John saw a number that couldn't be numbered of every tribe and nation of town. Hallelujah. So why not start here on earth practicing, reaching out, reaching across the aisle, reaching across cultures and, and learn from your neighbor, learn about your neighbor. So my wife and I are available after service. You want to take us to dinner? That's, just, that's reaching across the barrier. Oh, I didn't know you eat steak. Well, ask me, I'll tell you. So... In 1 John, chapter 4, I'll read a couple of verses there. And this is, a song was made from this. And you can sing it as I read it. 1 John 4, 7, and 8. Anybody know that? Beloved, let us love one another. All right. First John 4, 7, and 8. Did everybody get that? Oh, you have to sing it again. All right, sing a little louder. Okay, don't ask me to sing. But if you don't want to sing, read along. First John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. So if you didn't know that, yeah, give yourself a hand. If you didn't know that verse before, didn't know where it was found, now you do. So now you can't say, I didn't know that. You've been exposed. <laughs> the word has been exposed to you. So if you don't love, you don't know God. It's plain and simple. If you don't love, you don't know God. Historically, people have made excuses not to love the other because they, they created a caste system which made them superior to others and on the lower end you, you're considered less than human. So if you're less than human that means you're not quite in the image of God and I'm not required to love you and I'm going to bend the laws and shape them so I'll stay advantage. But God's love never changes. His law never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And later in the chapter, the same chapter, 1 John 4, in verses 24 to 26, he addresses that. This is an opportunity to reach in the seat ahead of you and pull out your Bible. It's like, oh, or find it on your phone. <laughs> it's actually verse 20 and 21. It says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow 
believe him. That person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this commandment. Those who love God must also love their neighbor, their fellow believers. We're without excuse. God is never divisive. He never categorizes people by culture, by ethnicity, by race, by language. Jesus is a common denominator. He never categorized by denomination. Never. The church is one. Doesn't matter your background, Baptist, Lutheran, whatever, but Christ is a common denominator for all of us. When we get to heaven, those of you that think there's a heaven for the, for the Protestants or, or the Presbyterians and, and a different heaven for the other folks, or those of you who think, oh, there's going to be a, a white heaven over here, a black heaven over there, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> you might come in different doors, but then you, we end up in the same room like, oh, <laughs> what are they doing here? Hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> so God has always been about relationship since the beginning of time. It's the human nature that causes division. Man's inhumanity to man. But without Christ in our lives, the source and resource, the treasure we are seeking, if we don't find treasure in God, true treasure in God, we're not going to find treasure in other people. Scripture says, seek and you shall find. <laughs> he talk, Jesus talked about there's a wide path that leads to destruction. The wide is the path, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many that be that go that way. But he said, narrow is the way, straight is the path that leads to life, and few to be that find it. Have you ever wondered why only a few people find that way? I ask God that. Why, why is it that only a few people find it? Over thousands and thousands of years and millions and billions and trillions trillion people, how come only a few people find it? The answer was he gave me was, you can't find what you're not looking for. If you get satisfied where you're at, you're not going to keep looking. You're not going to keep striving. You're not going to keep working on those things. Allowing God to work in you. And he puts people in our paths to be like sandpaper. You know, smooth out the rough edges in our life. Oh, I can't stand them. I can't stand them. <laughs> but God never felt that way about us. Oh, I can't stand them. Why don't they pray like they're supposed to? You know what I'm saying? He's got a different level. And all he wants from us is to get his perspective of everything and everybody. 
We can't get it by staying to ourselves and just holding on to what we know or what we think we know. But he's, I guarantee you, he's going to allow opportunity to come into your life, to challenge you, to get you out of your comfort zone, get you thinking a different way. We can't be visiting our neighbors overseas and ask the question like people said, what are all these foreigners doing here? Guess what? If I'm over there, I'm the foreigner. So I got to adapt to that culture. I got to learn. One, I took a mission trip many years ago to Trinidad, which is the furthest North American country. You go a few miles further south, you're in um, Venezuela. So the culture there, it was very mixed. They had different belief systems, even in, in, the, in the Christian church. But they had people that practiced Islam, they had people that practiced Hinduism, they had Shango Baptists, which believed in worshiping the dead, and different other ones. And, and so there's different cultures you bombarded with. But we prepared for that trip. You know, we prayed and fasted and studied the culture. And we went to this one church. It was a Christian church, but you can tell that it had the Hindu influence in it. Um, there was, our group was mixed, mostly African-American. There's two men. There's one young, young lady in the group. She had blonde hair and blue eyes but she identified as native, which was part of her heritage. When we came to that church, they sat her up front, and the rest of us they put towards the middle. And there was a visiting pastor there who was white. He saw what happened, and he came back and sat in the same row as us. So it was like, man, in the church. <laughs> she said strange things. but you. What did Jesus say? Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Jesus is the bridge that breaks the barriers. The walls got to be torn down. The walls got to be torn down. The walls of separation, the walls of segregation. We sing a song here, there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. It's time for those walls to come down. It's time for the chain to be broken. This is the year of seeking treasure. Continue to seek treasure in relationship with God, but also to seek treasure and value with others. Our life in Christ is manifested by how we treat others. We can have a, a, a glowing and growing relationship with God vertically, but it's how we express it horizontally to our fellow man. The intersection of that is through Jesus on the cross. Let us love one another as he has loved us. 
worship team. Father, we just thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. And as we're dismissed from this house, going to our house, lead us, guide us, protect us all the way. As we surrender to you each and every day, keep us in your care and help us keep our mind in you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Go and obey the Lord in everything. Amen.